the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is brought to you by The Athletic, a subscription based sports news site delivering in depth sports coverage for real fans. And talk about in depth sports coverage. If you are a baseball fan or a controversy fan or a uh, conspiracy theorist, uh, The Athletic and these baseball cheating scandals are where you need to be right now. They have launched a new one against the Red Sox, which is even more in-depth and more crazy than the Houston Astros situation. There are flashing lights built into the dugout, built into the mound, um, video rooms, uh, all sorts of things, and now it's, uh, it's really causing some hell in baseball. So get to theathletic.com. You can save 40% on your first year subscription by going to theathletic.com slash track 40 off. That's S-P-O-T-R-A-C 40 off. Save 40%. Check out the craziness. All right. Welcome to the Spot Track Podcast. My name is Mike Gennetti. We're going to bounce around a little bit. I'm trying to avoid the NFL because uh, you can get kind of too far down that rabbit hole sometimes, and that's all we're talking about, and I understand it. It's, uh, it is the nature of the beast, and there's plenty more to talk about with the NFL. We're going to get to it next week for sure. We're going to stick on these offseason outlooks, go team by team. Um, I'm sure there'll be more news in the Brady and Breeze front. We're going to dive a little bit into the Saints, just a little bit into the Saints quarterback situation today. Uh, but focus, we're going to feature on the NBA, which is nearing the trade deadline. Um, it's it's sort of in that time to start watching range for the NBA. So um, I just want to put some numbers and some math to uh, some of the recent trades uh, how that relates to winning uh, in terms of the championship. And there's really some uh, a decent set of trade names being rumored. Now, they're certainly just rumors. Uh, we're going to put some of the contracts with those names and see, you know, what the possibility of these players moving are. We're going to bring in Scott Allen to talk about some of that. And then we're going to wrap it up a little bit with some baseball. Um, nothing crazy going on, but the, the overall free agency season has been successful from a financial standpoint. So we're going to bring in Cousin Dan, talk a little bit of the numbers, and then rapid fire trade candidates, yes, no, maybe, maybe now, maybe deadline. Uh, we're going to go through some of the big names. I mean, these are, if I have to say one thing about the baseball offseason, yes, it's been successful from a free agency standpoint, but the trade candidate names, I don't think they've ever been this good. I mean, the, the, the number and the list of trade names from A to Z is outstanding. Huge contracts, uh, huge superstars. And, and there's really nobody poo-pooing the, the, the notion that somebody like Mookie Betts or, or, or Frankie Lindor can be moved in the next couple of weeks, which is crazy. I mean, you're talking about two of the top 10 players in all of baseball. So we're going to bring in Cousin Dan and just kind of rapid fire talk about those players. Uh, but, you know, let's, I guess let's start, start with the NBA because we need to do our due diligence on the NBA. Let's bring in Scott Allen, our NBA guru. Scott, thanks for joining the show. Yeah, great to be here. Yeah, let's talk some uh, some big names. I yeah, mean, I mean, not the biggest names. This isn't going to be superstars on the move. I, I guess Andre Drummond is a superstar, right? Is that fair? Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I love him. I'm, uh, it's tough to love a big man right now in the NBA, but uh, I think as big men go, he's not old, and he's somewhat uh, diverse, right? He can kind of do a lot. He's not a three-point shooter, but he can do a lot of things. No, he can do a lot of things. And if for teams that are looking for a big man, um, may want to take on something like that. And I mean, he, he puts up points and rebounds and blocks. So, I mean, Scott, what's, uh, his, what's his injury history? Cause that's, that's really the big knock on these big men, right? Is that you pay him a ton of money, but they just can't stay healthy. 
Um, decent. Mm, I mean, I'm trying I to pull his, it. I know his counterpart, Blake Griffin. <laughs> I <have nothing laughs> oh, I know. To say to this, he's he's no, another no. season in the books for him. Um, I, I think I, I mean neither of us can off the top of our heads think of anything major with him. So I, my my guess is that he's pretty reliable in terms of injuries. Um, yeah, I'm trying to pull up his injury history right now. It's been since 2016 when we started tracking. He hasn't really missed any time. That's awesome. Honest, he missed three games uh, last year for a concussion. He had one day for Achilles or one day for a rib. Um, other than that, yeah. he's been pretty pretty solid on uh, being on the court. It's great. I mean, I have to, I've got a decent list of maybe 12 to 15 players here to talk about. He's probably the biggest name with the most likelihood to move, right? Detroit is again going nowhere. I just mentioned the Blake Griffin situation. Um, and, you know, the, the tools that he can bring to a team on the inside out is uh, pretty much unique in comparison to the other names we've got on this list. I guess Tristan Thompson's a, a fairly close second to this, but um, with, a, with a cheaper contract as well. So I, I guess I'd put those those guys as one, two in terms of the big men on the move. Uh, what do you think? Is, is Drummond probably the bigger piece to move here? I think he I think he will be the bigger piece to move. The thing that's interesting is he has a player option right. for next year. So wherever he goes, he's likely to opt out and then be a free agent. So technically you're only you're getting a rental most likely. I, I there were a couple rumors that were thrown out there last week where it sounded like the Atlanta Hawks were in conversation real beginning conversations with so, Detroit. So that's a, that ties into what you just said. That's a long-term acquisition, all right? I mean, they're bringing him in to be the big piece with Trey Young if they're doing that, right? You would think so. Yeah. And, and, and see how it works. I mean, we had a trade with Utah that we mentioned uh, a little bit ago in a previous podcast. They, they brought in uh, Clarkson and it's worked out really well for them. They've won seven straight games so far after that trade has happened. So that has helped them. And that's where I was You're saying, not saying Atlanta can contend this year, though. No, not at all. Yeah. But what I'm saying is you get you make these trades if you can as early as possible to get that chemistry and maybe get a spark in there. Utah made the first trade here and they had a spark and now they're on a seven game winning streak. They're up to, uh, what is it? They're up to, they're in fifth right now. One uh, half a game behind Houston and, uh, the Clippers. So yeah, some of these teams team may want to, that's a team you loved in the preseason. So they're, uh, they're I, finally kind of showing themselves, huh? <laughs> well, well, and that, and they're playing really well, even though Conley has been out for 10, 11 games. Yeah, that, uh, that officially has not worked. Can we say that? I, I think so. Incredibly, I think we're at that, that point. That was supposed to be the slam dunk move of the offseason. Which is why I think Utah made that made that trade to try yeah. to get a spark and get a shooter in there. So I think I, I, Atlanta is definitely not uh, – they only have eight wins right now. So for them to bring on and take on Drummond is – maybe a chemistry thing, see if he can help out right now and, and get his rights to where they can re-sign him at a max using his, his rights. So that's where you're going to see some of these trades is, yeah, they may be rentals, but you're making the trade to get the rights, especially with the 
expiring contracts well, going in. I've, free agency. I've heard a couple teams with Drummond as well. One and there are two different sides of the spectrum, right? The, the Atlanta, like I said, the Atlanta move is a long play. Um, and not that they can agree to Drummond. I mean, I, they can certainly get an extension in place, right? There's nothing stopping them from extending Drummond um, if he'd agree to that. And uh, to some degree, why wouldn't he, right? If, if his rights are traded and they can max him out as soon as he gets there and he likes the situation he's in, he's going to be the, f- the focal point of the inside of the offense um, with Trey Young on the outside. I, not a bad next five years, right? Um, no, so not at all. One end of the spectrum, but then a team like Dallas, he's he'd be going there to be a piece, and to me, that would be more of the rental side of this acquisition, right? That that would most likely be the case, right? I mean, they probably can't afford to max him with Porzingis and what's coming with Doncic, right? Nah, they could probably do it, right? I, I'd have to look, they but they probably, probably can. do it. Here, here's the thing that. Players, and there, and there's, here's the thing that players are going to have to watch out for is there's not going to be a ton of teams with max space. I mean, there's probably only going to be four, maybe five, depending on how trades end up happening, moving cap and that. But right now there's only about four, maybe five teams that are even going to have ample maximum cap space to sign guys to a maximum contract. You're talking free agency though. In in free agency. That's so why that's the trade where, is so powerful. That's where in this case the trade is very powerful for whoever ends up if they do get Drummond, they get his rights, they can re- if he opts out, they can sign him to a max yeah, if you're they right. choose to. You're right. That's how Dallas gets this done is they trade for him right now. Um boy, those are two really interesting teams for very different reasons, but uh, my, my, just quick, quick looking at this list we have, I think he's probably the, uh, the breadwinner in terms of the, the most notable name. Like I mentioned Tristan Thompson. Um, you know, I don't, I don't love Tristan Thompson. I never have. I know he's been an integral piece to the LeBron James era. Uh, he's kind of holding his own. His numbers, we've, 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 <laughs> we've used him in fantasy a couple of days, right? He's been productive to say the least in Cleveland. Um, he's going to go. Uh, is he a trade piece or is he a buyout candidate? I think he's more of a trade piece at this point. He is tradable. Okay. Yeah. I think him and love, I mean, that Cleveland team right now is in shambles. I mean, it's, it's one thing after another, whether it's the coach or Kevin love with the bench or, or whatnot. So that team, I think they're, they're on the brink of really blowing it up. You could probably see both of those players end up being shipped out at some point. Tristan's a straight rental, 18 and a half million dollar salary on an expiring contract. Uh, I, I, can't, I can't see him anywhere but Boston. Do you agree? Yeah, Boston has been the one that we've been talking about all year that needs some sort of probably big man presence. He he probably would fit, which that would be kind of interesting and comical, the fact that Cleveland <laughs> is de- dealing another player to Boston yeah, if that ends Kyrie. up happening. Yeah. But, but again, like I just said a couple minutes ago, they're because he's expiring, they would end up getting his rights and they can do what they want to with him is if they want to resign him or yeah. just let him go in free agency. But again, that may be a move that they want to do. Try it out for uh, five months here. And, yeah. and, and, and the, they big, want the big draw with Tristan is, and, and you mentioned it with Cleveland and Kyrie, the big draw with Tristan is he runs the pick and roll. He's a big man that can move a little bit. He can run that pick and roll very, very well. He's done it his whole career. So you bring that, aspect of things to the Boston offense with guards like Kemba Walker and Gordon Hayward eventually 
uh, and you can really uh, you can really see Boston, you know, raising some hell coming down the stretch here. So makes a lot of sense. It's how are they going to match that salary though, Scott? They going to lose one of those kids? Yeah, they, it, they would probably cost Jalen Brown for Tristan. Yeah, they they would have to send something. Let's see, I'm looking Can't at the page Marcus right now. Smart goes. Can't imagine Tatum goes. Um, I mean, they could probably package three or four of the smaller players, but you don't want to lose too much depth here. I I, I worry that giving up Jalen Brown is a long term mistake, but we'll yeah, see. they may be able to flip someone like uh, Cantor or sure. a, you know. A, three or four players that get packaged to that would be ideal. Of course. I just wonder if Cleveland will bite for that. Right. Yeah. Especially if they're in full tank mode (laughs) again. (laughs) Again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't foresee Marcus smart. I I, I don't see Boston burning another bridge like they did with Isaiah Thomas. Uh, They really like Marcus smart in there. I think they really like Jalen Brown though, too. They do. And he has really come on here in the last few weeks. Uh, that, that team is really gelling. Uh, so we'll see if they can do some kind of package and throw in some picks, which would obviously happen in this case, but, um, they're going to have to get, uh, creative. Let's talk Kevin Love. You mentioned him. Mm -hmm. I don't think he's tradable. I don't know why everybody else in the world thinks he's tradable. I, uh, this is year one of $120 million contract. He's no, he's never been the player since he's left Minnesota that he was there. Um, you're getting a, a partial version of a, an athletic big man who's not really big, who can't really shoot that well. Yes. His his three point game has increased a little bit over the years. I I don't know. I, I, I'm so down on him right now. Am I wrong to be down on him? I mean, the, 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 the notion that the Lakers would give up Kuzma and draft picks for Kevin Love and his $120 million is crazy to me. It's crazy. I think Kyle Kuzma's a better version of Kevin Love right now. Yeah, I, I think he is tradable. With everything that's gone on, it's, it's, I, I think Cleveland needs to move on from him. Well, I think he's from trying their to. standpoint, of course, but who's <laughs> taking him? I. I don't know. Maybe, maybe Portland. And what are you getting with that much money left? You know what I mean? I mean, you're not getting a first round pick for Kevin Love, are you? Am, am, I, am I way off on this? Am I way off? Is he still a heck of a player and, and I'm just missing the boat? I, I just, I, I don't see it. He's a, he's the third guy in line on any team right now, in my opinion. Now, not in Cleveland because there's nobody else there, but wherever he goes to whatever contender decides to have Kevin love, he's going to be the third piece of the puzzle, right? Oh yeah, definitely. Most likely. Yeah. Well, I, I just can't get up I mean, arm for that. I mean, he's been consistent the last few years, points, assists, rebounds. I mean, he's been pretty consistent. I, he's, I think he's a, a piece that would probably go to a playoff contender if they can swing it. I, I agree. The 29 million is a lot to have to sure. match to send something back in addition to some picks. But if, if Cleveland really wants to move on from this, then they're going to make it happen one way or another. I think, I, I mean, the team I have here, we've talked about them before and I, and I get why this could happen. Portland, from everything I've read, seems to be the, the favorite for, for Kevin Love. And that I understand. Their, their big man's been down all year. 
Um, he he would fit a role. He's certainly not. He would certainly be the number three option on that team, right, with Dame and, and McCollum. Um, you know, he could essentially piggyback off of Carmelo Anthony's outside game a little bit. I, I get it. I, I get that move. But Portland's going to have to give up a lot of depth just to get him in the house, right? A lot of depth just to match the $29 million. Yeah, you would think so. Mm-hmm. But I understand that. That's a team that wants to push. They don't want to step back. They've got too much money invested. Um, so that I understand. I don't understand the Lakers. To me, the only reason the Lakers are being mentioned with Kevin Love is because LeBron James is there. I, I just don't see that as a fit at all. The Lakers aren't going to give up the farm for a third option. They're just not. You'd have to lose Danny Green. You can't lose Danny Green, right? No, and I was thinking about this as we were getting ready to come out and do this. I don't know if the Lakers necessarily need to make a move. Not I mean, this big. Not this big. They no, need to replace Rajon Rondo, and that's it, in my opinion. A depth I, I agree. That's it. I agree. I, I think they were going. They were expecting more out of Rondo at this point, and yeah. it's just sort of he's there. It's not great. He's just there. Yeah, he looks like Tom I, Brady I, right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, only I mean, only Rajon Rondo's got three wide receivers ahead of him that look great. <laughs> I mean, they've. This team, this Lakers team has only lost seven games already. Yeah, they're I mean, nuts. There's they, no need for a big shakeup like this, right? I, I don't think so. I guess they, the Anthony Davis let, injury is a little bit questionable, right? I mean, that would be a reason to get, get a guy like Love in if it's somewhat long-term, but it's not, right? He's fine. Yeah, I, I think he's fine. They, they let Dwight Howard's salary guarantee. Fine. Um, he's been more, so, than, more than accessible. So he... Uh, obviously not having cousins all year was a big damper on that. Mm -hmm. Um, Technically they can move him if somebody wanted to take on. Yeah. I mean, they could, if you wanted to have some dead, dead money, you could throw that into a trade. You're right. You're right. Yeah. But I I don't foresee a team necessarily doing that. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I don't see a, a real big shakeup on this team. I think it's going to be some minor guys just to switch in and out. Mm -hmm. Um, But otherwise I think they're, they're gelling. Their chemistry is great. They're playing really good ball right now. And um, why, why mess that up if you don't need to. Agreed. Agreed. Let's uh, let's move on to some smaller dudes. DeMar DeRozan expiring well, essentially an expiring contract in, in San, uh, San Antonio. He's got a player option in 2020. I guess that's somewhat questionable whether he'll get, you know, another gigantic contract or not. He's been a nice player, but he really, mm-hmm. can't, he really can't shoot. <laughs> I mean, that's just not his game. Uh, there are teams that need ball handlers right now. I, I, I pinned the Miami heat as one of them. I know the Minnesota Timberwolves need, need a ball handler. Um, they've been pining for D'Angelo Russell now for the last six months. Uh, I don't know. To me, Chris Paul and DeMar DeRozan on this list are less than likely to be moved. Am I, am I wrong in that thinking? No, you're not wrong. I, I agree with that statement. Yeah, and not to mention San Antonio has a history of not trading people in season. So they're sort of, uh, they, you know, they've got their, their structure, and, and until Popovich leaves, I don't think that's going to change too much. Now, if they get blown away... I had a DeRozan offer. Certainly you pulled the trigger on that. I think Miami probably has their eyes set on other people. Um, let's talk shooters. Everybody needs shooters. And yes, they do. It, it, I mentioned Danny Green and the Lakers. There's, there's, I think there's a chance for them to upgrade Danny Green. And if that's the case, of course you move Danny Green at that point. Uh, Gallinari in Oklahoma City has been, 
outstanding. Look, he was outstanding in, as a Clipper. <laughs> he's, he, could, he can just shoot the lights out wherever he is, um, and he's that kind of player. The problem is o- Oklahoma City is contending right now. <laughs> yes, um, they are. They're in that weird spot where they don't know if they're buyers or sellers. Uh, you know, and that's, that's Chris Paul with non-withstanding, in my opinion, because I think his money probably alone keeps him from being traded again. Uh, but Gallinari is a different story. It's $22.5 million right now. Uh, that's pretty easy to match in a trade from, a, from another team standpoint, especially when you know you're getting the shooter like he is. If the Lakers can sniff this one, you probably make an offer, right? I would think so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you can get an upgrade of some sort outside of if they want to keep green because of the chemistry that they already have, then then so be it. You, You go with it, especially with him having the playoff and finals yes, experience last year. Yeah, I, of course. I, I, I think that may trump uh, someone who's relatively close just to have that experience in the locker room. You know why I thought of it though, Scott, LeBron James just likes to shake things up. He just does. I mean, he, and we've seen him so many times in Cleveland, just literally change the roster in February. Um, now they weren't, they didn't have seven losses at that point at any time, but um, I don't know. You, you know, you never know how he's thinking right now. He might, he might be thinking Danny green hasn't done enough. Uh, and if that's the sentiment that's being passed up to Frank Vogel and, and above a guy like Garrett Gallinari to me is just a flat out upgrade. He's an upgrade to Danny green and everything you said is right. Danny green's got the experience. He's got the Spurs experience. Now the Raptors experience uh, that that's, he's got everything you want from an intangible standpoint. Um, I just think you probably at least entertain the offer. That's all. And, and, I could see Kuzma going for him, right? Oklahoma City would love Kuzma on that team right now. Yeah, yeah, they probably would. You'd have to do probably Kuzma, Danny Green, and you're going to have to throw in, I don't know, somebody like... uh, Just to get the money to match? Maybe Bradley or something like that. Yeah, to get the money to match. Yeah, I think think that's doable. Uh, We'll see. That's a name to watch for sure, especially out west. your neck of the yeah, woods. like well, like like you said, Oklahoma City needs to figure out yeah. who who they want to be right it's now. It's a big two weeks it's for that team. It's a it big is two weeks, yeah. Because I mean, they're in the seventh seed right now. They're they they're four games above eighth spot right now, so they're looking pretty good. With a couple wins in a row here, they could get six, maybe fifth is a stretch right now. But I mean, they're they're. They just need to decide what way they want to go for sure. Well, yes and no. I mean, they're not contenders, right? They're not going to win the West. Can we say that? No, no, they're not going to win the West. And if you can move Gallinari to get some more on an expiring contract, right? It's expiring. So if you can get swing it to get a first round pick, well, Kuzma, Kuzma's a a long-term option, right? He's going to be a cheaper long-term option to go with, Gilgis Alexander, Chris Paul's ridiculous salary, and the 97 first-round picks they already have. You know what I mean? I, I, right. I just think from a team-building standpoint, making that move now, even if you think you're winning and, and you've got a chance to sneak in here, it's probably better business to do it, right? I, I agree with that. And this is going to be a great case study to look at in four years because we all wrote the thunder off totally. having Westbrook, having moved George we thought they were going to be bottom, bottom two, three in the league with having moved some things. And, um, well, the, they're the case re- study Scott's going to be Gilgis Alexander. 
<laughs> because it is. If the Clippers don't get to the finish line and he's a, he he continues to improve like he has, they're going to regret everything they've done, right? Possibly. Yeah, especially if whatever these first round picks yes. that they've acquired end up being mysteries. They're mysteries. That's all they are. <laughs> I mean, until those turn into massive players, they're nothing right now. Right. But that's what I mean. In the next four, maybe five years, we look back on this. We may be saying Oklahoma city really won this, this trade and the front office really did a nice job of retooling the roster on the fly and acquiring assets to, to grow through the draft. There's a lot to talk about. There really is. It's uh, the NBA trade deadline has been somewhat passive over the past couple of years because the off seasons have been so magnetic. I mean, they've been crazy. So it's really been hard to keep up with it. And like I said, none of these names are going to stick out like a sore thumb outside of a Drummond who, who I think many, you know, have, are at least aware of. Um, but the shooters on this list can really make a difference. I've got Gallinari here. I've got Davis Burton's. Um, in Washington on an expiring, a cheap expiring contract, 7 million for a player who can really shoot the ball. I mean, he's in your neck of the woods. Yeah. Uh, I, they're going to move. I, him, I don't right? think they move. No? I, I don't think so. Because I, they I love really him long-term. So. I, I do. I, I think they're going to, they're going to keep him and they're going to try to re-sign him in the off season here since he's expiring. I think they really like this kid. Look, and look, I think all the gonna... kids there are really playing their butts off. I mean, that <laughs> this is a nothing team. And even on nights where Bradley Beal doesn't play, that team is performing. So uh, I, I just, you and I both know, in the NBA, experience kills. I mean, that that team right there is never going to get to the finish line. It just doesn't happen. You just don't see that in the NBA like you do in other sports. You know, you don't the, the, the Houston Astros, the Kansas City Royals of the world, that just doesn't happen in, mm-hmm. in, in basketball. So they're going to have to make some kind of move. And to me, the team that I've got next to, next to his name here would be the one team that would make Washington <laughs> listen, right? Philadelphia has all the players that every other, every other team would dream of, and it's just flat out not working right now for some reason. So if Philadelphia comes calling and says, who you want, right? And, I mean, essentially all those t- players are long-term options. You know, nobody's a rental. Tobias Harris is locked up. Josh Richardson is locked up. Embiid's locked up. Ben Simmons is locked up. You can... You can bring in a four-year guy uh, pretty much at, at, as you need to right now out of Philadelphia. Uh, to me, that's the one team that makes Washington at least take the phone call. So we'll see. I, I agree with you. Uh, you know, I've, I've studied that, that Wizards team a lot because they are just kind of a, a best value situation happening in front of our faces. I just, we know that doesn't last. It's not going to last. It's, uh, they're on cloud nine, and it's eventually going to come back down to earth soon. Um, we'll see. And then Covington. Uh, Minnesota has been in the news a lot with yeah, Carl Anthony towns. Uh, I mentioned the D'Angelo Russell situation. I know they've been high on Chris Paul forever. Um, but Robert Covington, former Philadelphia 76 or Robin, Robert Covington, he's a glue guy. He's a three and D guy. Uh, he's all the things you want in the playoffs. That's, that's what he is. Uh, I've got the Clippers here. Do you disagree with that? No, I can definitely see that happening. Yeah. I, I, he is a guy that I think is going to get moved, whether it's to the Clippers, as you suggest, or another team. I do think this uh, Covington does get moved. I mean, his salary is at uh, 11, nice. almost 11 and a half. So it's almost like a perfect salary nice. for matching. And then 12 um, a year for the next two. I mean, that's nice for a 3 and D guy. Yeah. So I, I definitely see him 
being moved one way or another. I just think that, you know, the sexy name with the Clippers has been Iguadala. Mm, yeah, that's fine because of the Danny Green experience conversation. But I'd, I'd take a, uh, a much more ample Robert Covington over an Iguadala any day, any day. Uh, that's just to me, that's now, does he conflict with Paul George and Kawhi a little bit? Maybe, but wouldn't you rather have three guys that can shoot the three and play defense than two? I would. <laughs> it just makes yeah. sense to me. Yeah. And when you've got, I mean, George has had the history of injuries or Kawhi with his knee and taking nights off here and there. If you can get that third guy that can still shoot the ball and, and still play the defense as a rotational kind of guy, I, I think you go for Not that. Not to mention Beverly, who we're totally forgetting about maybe the best defensive player in basketball. I mean, uh, what else do you want coming into the postseason, right? And then everybody in your, uh, every small man on your team can play defense and most of them can shoot the three. To me, that's a, that's a slam dunk. I, I really like that move a lot. Minnesota just seems like they're going to start shaking things up and clearing space, which this would also do as well for them to some degree. Uh, just seems like a slam dunk. Two more basketball questions, then we'll uh, switch gears quickly. The Nuggets are, are real, all right? They're the same Nuggets they were last year in terms of the standings. Everything is sort of right there for them, but they couldn't get to the finish line last year, right? What do, right. They have, what do they have to do? They're certainly third in everybody's mind, maybe fourth in, in the West, right? It's, it's Lakers, it's Clippers, it, maybe it's Houston. I think some people see Houston ahead of Denver right now in their minds, the eye test. Uh, what do they have to do to at least get themselves up into that one-two conversation? I, I don't know if we're going to see them make any moves. I know um, that's not what they do. I, I, don't you they think don't. it's what they should do? Maybe for some rotational bench players, yeah. but otherwise I think their starting five is solid. Um, everyone's playing really good. We're seeing Michael Porter jr. Yep. Come into his own after having not played last year. And uh, there it's looking like he, he might be uh, a complete steal that they, have gotten out of him. So outside of some rotational guys, I don't think they do much of anything to be honest. Yeah. I don't think that's probably not the right answer. (laughs) (laughs) I just, it's probably not. I I understand that they're sort of walking over things right now. um, And they're, they're playing great ball. How about a guy like Jay Crowder? Yeah, that that guy, he he is a he's a baller. He'll go after the ball. He can shoot. Um, I I could definitely see them moving him, but I don't know what you're necessarily going to send out. Denver back. Yeah. Denver wise. Yeah, it's it's really a tough situation to to figure out. I do think they have to make a move. Uh, Maybe maybe that's something we keep an eye on in the next couple of weeks and, and we'll we'll resurface that as maybe names pop up. But uh, I think standing still is the wrong move for Denver, just knowing what they have ahead of them. New Orleans, I mean, speaking of a team like Oklahoma City, right? I mean, New Orleans, I think they're eight out of nine now. They're, they're winning. Uh, they're winning, but they're still, they're still way down oh, there. I mean, they're not a contender, but my, yeah. my point of, of mentioning them here is I think they've got a star in Brandon Ingram. Uh, uh, definitely. He is growing up in front of our eyes. I don't know why the hell they haven't paid him yet. Just do it. What, what are they waiting for? Um, unless he's saying no, but it's, I think publicly he's basically saying, where's my money. Right. <laughs> so I, I don't know what's happening there. Pay the guy. Um, we have not even seen Zion yet, which there's nothing to talk about. He's coming eventually and he's going to make an impact. 
And I think that knowing that Brandon Ingram is a superstar makes life for Zion a lot easier because you don't have to be the one-size-fits-all option for that team now. You can be the role player that you actually were meant to be and let Brandon Ingram do his thing. I, I know Drew Holiday's been you know, a trade con- candidate for months. Is he still? Or is he one of those players that this team needs flipping into next year? Uh, I think I think you keep him. Yeah. I think he is a that veteran presence who is helping these young kids. I mean, if you get rid of all your veteran presence and uh, you've got all these young budding superstars without having any guidance, that that may hinder some of that growth. I mean, but we've seen like Lonzo Ball. He he fits that team really well. The ball's starting to shoot. Yeah. So, I mean, you get Zion back. We may see a completely different team here with Zion in the fold for the next three months. I don't foresee them winning enough games to necessarily make it to the playoffs, but I'm not going to – there's still that chance because looking at the standings, they're only four games out of eighth spot right now, even though they're in the 14th spot. So there is that chance that they go on a spurt here and some of these other teams that may, may tank for lack of a better word, like Minnesota, Sacramento doesn't really know what, what they are at the moment. So there is that chance there. I, I don't think they get there, but there is the chance um, with Zion coming back, depending on having that, completely different entity that hasn't been there for the first right. half of the so season. So Zion is essentially like a trade acquisition. I mean, he's going to be coming back right around the deadline. It's going to be like yeah. a brand new piece to the puzzle. Um, oh, by the way, they're, you know, they're a lottery draft pick right now for 2020 and they have three second rounders next year. So uh, those are assets that can be moved. There's no question uh, whether you do that at the deadline this year or you wait until the off season and you package some things together and maybe try to get yourself a, another veteran to go with these kids. Uh, I really like where this team is going They're I think they're starting to come into their own. Like I said, Ingram is a star. Uh, they're one star away. Uh, even, yeah, even, I, even with Zion on the fold, they're probably one star away, but I think come, you know, come June heading into that July 1st, uh, league year, you package picks, if you have to package Drew Holiday at that point, you know, and you go out and you find your superstar to go with with Ingram and Zion, and it's go time next year, right? Yeah. W- would you agree that the Lakers Pelicans trade was a win win at this point? I think, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, obviously, it got a the, lot of help when they won the lottery, <laughs> right? Right. And, I, if and that obviously, doesn't happen, where are we? I mean, I, I guess Jay Morant's not a bad, not a bad, you know, Plan B, but. Um, and obviously the, the Pelicans are not necessarily winning because they're at the bottom of the standings, but from a player development standpoint and the future outlook, I think right now you can probably say, are they a six seed with Zion though, Scott? Um, I mean, that's what we don't know. No, we don't. We really don't. We don't know how he's going to fit in there. We don't know if he comes back. We won't, we won't know this year. It won't be fair to assess him for three months or two months. You know what I mean? But right. just the just the you know guessing the what if of if he was here all year long and, and settling in with the rest of this roster right now where are they in the standings if they're four games out right now so uh, that's what I mean I think it's about twenty 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 one for this entire franchise I don't think they should sell 
I think getting Zion back right now is enough of a shakeup to the roster for them to handle for the last three months. Uh, but you've got assets come the offseason, that's for sure. It's Yeah, you're right. The uh, As far as fair trades go, this is up there. This is way up there. Yeah, which which is is great to see. You hate to see lopsided trades, yeah, especially all the time, when it was but. kind of forced together so ugly, right? It was so nastily, <laughs> so right? It was such a a bad moment for the NBA and for those two teams and for everybody involved. But it's it's worked out. It's been good. We'll see if the Lakers actually finish the deal, though. Um, let's switch gears. Let's get off this and go to the NFL a little bit. Give the people what they want. <laughs> um, Got to talk Saints. Look, we're going to talk about them more and more in the offseason outlook, possibly next week, maybe in a couple of weeks. But uh, I didn't want to let this fester too long because the numbers are starting to get thrown out there. There's going to be decisions made maybe maybe in a couple of weeks here, uh, especially with the quarterbacks in, in tow here. Uh, the Saints have no quarterbacks on their roster next year, which is not good. <laughs> if, you're, if you're a Saints fan, that's, that's not good. But the, the way that things have to come together is pretty interesting when you're putting it to, num- to numbers. Um, I want to leave Teddy Bridgewater for last of the three. Taysom Hill, Drew Brees, Teddy Bridgewater. Let's start with Taysom Hill. Um, you know, he's Tim Tebow until he's not, right? Yeah, that's a great statement. Yeah. I mean, Tim Tebow had an arm. He could throw the ball downfield. Mm-hmm. I, I don't really understand why people are enamored with Taysom Hill. It's it's awesome what he's doing. It's super fun to see him do it every now and then. I, I don't know. <laughs> do we really have enough to, to believe that he can step in for Drew Brees and be the heir apparent? I don't know. I, I, I agree. I, me watching him, it's almost like, uh, why would you mess with that? Why, why not keep f- figure out who your quarterback is? is other than him keep him as he is and use him the way that they have been whether he throws it whether he goes out and does the blocks well you're, um, so you're saying that scott but that's exactly what new orleans did when drew Brees got hurt it wasn't Taysom hill's job it was teddy bridgewater's right. job so you're right that that is how they're thinking about it which which is why me reading these articles about how Taysom hill is going to be the next man up it's fine, but I don't think it's a slam dunk. Otherwise, he would have been the five-week starter in 2019, right? Right. I don't understand that. Now, look, we're going to get to Bridgewater. I don't think Bridgewater is in the equation next year. So maybe, you know, maybe we're going to see that in 2020 if Breeze is injured. Let's let's flip the switch here. I do think Drew Breeze is coming back. There's been I, – I, I don't imagine he's retiring – he certainly took a bit of a step back this year from normal Drew Brees, but he was still outstanding. I mean, he was outstanding. Certainly the injury was a factor, too. Uh, I do believe he's coming back, but it's ugly. Uh, and I've said this before on the show, uh, and I don't want to get too much into the math here, but the, the, the Tom Brady and Drew Brees situation is similar in that both of these guys got two-year deals, which were really, you know, four-year deals. But the last two years of these contracts are dummy years. They're quotation mark dummy years. They're only there to allow the signing bonus to spread out, okay, or the restructure bonus, which is what they did with Breeze. They restructured him this year, pushed some of that cap down in the next two years, okay? It's common. It's becoming more and more common. You're seeing the Lions do this with pretty much every free agent they sign. Um, it's, it's not a terrible move because there's tons of cap to go around, and you can handle dead cap. Here, here's the situation. Let's say Drew Breeze retires tomorrow morning. Uh, the 
the Saints are left with $21.3 million of dead cap on their 2020 cap. Nothing they can do about it. Okay, that's just that's unallocated bonus money that has to hit their cap. Um, and there's no post-June 1st. It's not going to be spread out over two years because of the expiring CBA. Uh, that's just the reality. If he retires, it's $21.3 million for the Saints to let him walk away. Um, let's say he doesn't retire, which is what I'm assuming. Let's say he gets his deal. I'm going to say it's a it's a expanded version of what he just did two years ago in New Orleans, which is a two-year deal. He made $25 million this year. I'm going to say he can bump that up to 28 Excuse me. He made $23 million this year. I'm going to say you, you tack on $5 million to that, and his new average salary is $28 million, which is two years, $59 million. All right, that's the deal I'm saying. Let's put half of that into a signing bonus, $30 million. Spread it over four years, which is two real years, two dummy years. He makes $28 million next year. Um, He's got cap hits of 31.4 and 32.9, which are high, but they're not crazy high. That's still like top. That's like eighth right now um, with the Kirk Cousins and the Jared Goffs and those players up there. Um, it's doable. It's really doable. And then flip the switch back to Taysom Hill. He's a restricted free agent, which means you, all you have to do is tender him. You don't have to give him a bridge deal. You don't have to give him a Jacoby Brissett deal or a Blake Bortles deal. All you have to do is tender him. And if you really love him, like – I think there's no reason to believe they don't. You give them the first round tender, which is going to be a little less than $5 million, which is a little high. But if, you're, if there's no Bridgewater in the equation and he's your only backup quarterback, $5 million is perfect. That's exactly where you want to be for a, you know, a, a viable backup quarterback right now. So to me, that's how this all shakes out. You're going to see a two-year extension. It's got to happen before the league year, March 18th, or that dead cap hits, Okay. If they, if they wait and, and Breeze puts things off, um, it'll be $21.3 million plus whatever he signs if he wants to re-sign there later. So that, that's not going to happen. This is going to get done in the next six weeks in order to alleviate that. Um, so we'll see. I'll tweet this stuff out so it's a little bit more visible on Twitter. Um, but I, I think that's how this, this goes. And that gives you, to your point, Scott, that gives you one more year of Breeze as the, as the number one Taysom Hill now is the actual number two on a $5 million salary. Yeah, that's not bad. Do, do you think uh, these dummy years are, are good? Are they bad? Are they just there? I, I mean, I feel like in a way that, I don't know. I, I, are they? It, you, what, do, you, do you see it as a loophole? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, I, I do. Yeah. I, I do. Because it's like, all right, we're spreading these out, but they don't really count. And then they, it, it, that cap is there. I get it. The, it if you want to spread the cap out, you're, you're there. But it's almost – it's not deferred money because they don't have to pay it. Yeah, like it's in not baseball, cash at all. It's not cash. But, but they're – you're let, – let me, let me stop you um, because I think I'll change your mind right now. I, uh, I was in your boat as well originally with these, and, but this was years ago. Um, now that I've had more experience and I, I sort of – I see that, that the teams that are doing this and why they're doing it and what positions they're doing it at. And that, to me, that's what's important. This is what, this is what the dummy years are doing. They're shortening the actual contracts. And if you know me at all, you know mm -hmm. that that's what I've been pining for for a lot of years with this league. It's why, it's why I think <laughs> Kirk Cousins and Julio Jones' contracts are perfect. Um, you could just give Drew Brees a five-year contract with two years guaranteed, right? That, that's, what, that's what all the teams used to do is, is 
get on get on the on the news and say we've signed Drew Brees to a five-year, one hundred and thirty million dollar contract with forty million guaranteed. Okay, which means he's got a two-year, forty million dollar contract. Okay, that's you could still do that, and a lot of teams are still doing that. By the way, this is the alternative. The alternative is two-year actual two-year contracts with real money, almost fully guaranteed, and then we'll tack on dummy years to to alleviate the cap hits. If that's the if that's what we have to do to get shorter contracts, I'm all for it. Okay, I mean, <laughs> I I just feel like stretching the signing bonus out to years that are don't really count at all is sort of like you said a loophole. But it yeah, but Scott, think about it. Five year deal, an actual five year deal with a signing bonus that prorates over five years. He gets cut in year three. What happens? Exact same thing. Right. It's the That's exact same point. thing. The, only, yeah, dif- the okay. only difference is the player doesn't even have a chance to play that third year out because it doesn't exist. There's no actual cash after the second year. That's what, okay. you, that's what Breeze and Brady have been dealing with here. Um, and really four or five major Lions contracts, if you want to go look at Track at that. Um, are, go ahead. Are, the, are there – have you seen a trend, whether it's quarterbacks mostly that are getting these or edge, certain Edge teams? defenders, wide receivers, quarterbacks, yes. I mentioned the positional side of it. You know, it's the, it's the players who are almost certainly going to get another contract. Do you know what I mean? And, and, and when, there's a, when there's going to be another contract down the road, why not make it as soon as possible? The player wants it that way. If they know that, it, you know, like I said with Kirk Cousins, all Kirk Cousins has to be is above average to get another contract after this Minnesota one, right? He has been. And now mm-hmm. he's got a playoff win, which the second he won that game against New Orleans, I got on Twitter and said, I expect there, there to be a restructured extension coming for Kirk Cousins. Because that's, that's the plan. That's why you sign these short contracts. He's made good money for two years. He's got a fully guaranteed year next year, the final year of that contract. But now they can rip that up a little bit, tack on two more guaranteed years. So he's got three guaranteed years. They can lower his cap hit in 2020, and everybody's happy. This is how it should be. This is how the NBA has been working. This is a LeBron James one plus one. The cap's going up, so my salary should always be going up. So I got to keep my, my, my contract length short, get, my, get money in my pocket, Give me control if I got to get out of here because I know I can get a contract somewhere else. I'm LeBron James or I'm a starting quarterback or I'm a starting wide receiver, right? The, the positions of power should be using their power. And that's to me what's changed. So everybody wins in this, in this situation, except for, you know, teams, let's say Drew Brees retires. The Saints aren't going to be really happy with a $21 million dead cap hit. Okay. That's the that's the uh, the negative to all of this is if they get mm-hmm. stuck like that. Right. My thinking is they don't think they're going to get stuck. They they know they can get your bees back in the fold for one more year. Um, and by the way, that two year deal I laid out for Breeze only the first year is going to be guaranteed. It's going to be a second year kicks in the third league year day of 2021. And if he wants to come back, there's a salary they're waiting for him. If not, he can walk away and there's 15 million or so of dead cap to go with it. Um, mm-hmm. So. Uh, I, I think I think that's probably the likely outcome for the Saints. I don't want to get into Bridgewater too much because I think we can have a whole episode on Teddy Bridgewater. I think he's maybe the most interesting player of this offseason. I, I really do. Uh, and it depends on how a couple of chips fall, the biggest one being Tom Brady. Uh, I, I just think there's a, there's a Colts conversation for Teddy Bridgewater. There's a Patriots conversation for Teddy Bridgewater. There's certainly a Chargers conversation for Bridgewater. Um, I think he is a diamond waiting in the grass right now, <laughs> and he's only 27 years old. There's there's so many things. He he had a great showing those five weeks for New Orleans this year with the injured Drew Brees. 
I, I don't know that New Orleans can just kind of keep him in their back pocket forever. And if that's not the case, if they really do let him go test the waters and he gets priced out of New Orleans, because New Orleans is in cap trouble. You know, one of the reasons that you have to sign Drew Brees is you can't really take that hit for a player not on your team. You got to you got to maneuver things so that your roster, your 53 man roster all kind of works together. Um, I think Bridgewater gets priced out of New Orleans and I, and I have him maybe the second best available quarterback, right? I mean, I, Cam Newton's yeah. a big, what if Andy Dalton is, I don't know. Andy Dalton's probably right with Teddy Bridgewater, but Bridgewater's younger. So if that's the math you're looking for, he's, he's ahead of that too. Dak Prescott is an X factor. I don't think he leaves Dallas, but if he does, then he jumps to the top of the list, I believe. But Bridgewater's right there with Carolina, with Indy, with New, New England, uh, with a lot of teams. I feel, I feel like this. I feel like this uh, free agency that's coming up here has more notable names than yes. we have in the past. Experienced starters. Yeah, and and I, I mentioned mean, it on the last show with Paul and Kevin. This fantastic draft class of quarterbacks, it ain't looking so good, okay? I mean, since he's getting Burrow, two was probably long for Miami, I think. If, if not somebody sooner, maybe Detroit. I, I've mentioned that before. Um, and then we have Justin Herbert and Jalen Hurts and Jake Fromm and a lot of guys that are fun to watch, but I don't think that they're great NFL prospects. So I... I think a lot of teams are probably turning their focus to Andy Dalton and Cam Newton and Teddy Bridgewater and Phillip Rivers, right? I mean, I, I have to imagine that free agent quarterbacks are winning the day right now because of the names that are out there and the holes that need to be filled. So I, yeah, and we never see no. I mean, it was, I mean, Kirk, Kirk it was cousins. cousins and no one, but right. now there's like yeah, like you mentioned, there's three legitimate starting options barring Cam Newton's health that may become available in the next couple of months. So it's certainly well, the storyline. It's that storyline is not going away. And if Brady decides he's done with new England, I mean, that storyline increases by a thousand percent. <laughs> yeah. One of the things I thought of listening to your starting of the uh, off season outlook of the, the teams yeah. was the, the difference with the NFL compared to like NHL and NBA and NBA, we know free agency is crazy is NFL has their free agency way before the draft. So you can, you can get the players that you want ahead of time and then fill your needs with your draft, uh, draft assets. So I, I find that kind of interesting. I know the NBA has talked about NBA uh, needs to do it. switching it around. I think they need to do it as well. Yeah. Um, but I, I just wanted to mention that having thought of it when you were doing your off season outlook is, you know, these teams, they can figure out what they want to do with these, uh, with, with these free agents. Like t imagine if the draft was first and then free agency happened. And then they had with Teddy Bridgewater or well, any of these quarterbacks, it would be a completely different dynamic. Can I tell you why I, I would never vote for that, that change that happened for the NFL. It's going to be harder, harder, harder for veterans to get a contract as it is. <laughs> can, right. Can you imagine if the free agency follows the draft and teams know exactly what they have in their young, cheap rookie contracts. And then mm -hmm. they decide, and then they, and then they have to go out and try to sign a major free agent. It ain't going to happen. Right. You're going to see, you know, many teams have great successful drafts 
and then plug and play veteran minimum contracts with vet in the free agent market. We're already trending toward there anyway. I mean, the, it's just a bad free agent pool right now. You're not going to see massive deals as it is. Um, so that, that change can never happen for the NFL. And, and to, the, to your point about the NBA, it should happen. It should happen for yeah. the NBA. Not that, no, veteran, I, I, not that veterans are having trouble signing the, the NBA, but, uh, you know, I think an expanded draft that's, that's after free agency in, in the NBA should be in, in order here. I think two rounds is not enough. Yeah. My bringing it up was I like free agency yeah. being first and then the draft coming where you fill in your needs with your draft assets once you've figured out everybody else. And then there's baseball that has a five month free agency that nobody really pays attention <laughs> to and a 97 round draft in the middle of the, of the spring that nobody talks about. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, to each their own. All right. I'm not bitter. Thanks, Scott. Thanks. All right. Welcome to the show. Cousin Dan, when cousin Dan's here, it's time for baseball. We're not going to do too much because uh, there's really not too much to talk about yet, but it's all uh, leading up to, I think, what could be a pretty fun couple of months here before we get preseason and uh, or spring training and the, and, and the season going here. Dan, thanks for joining. Let's talk some trade candidates. Yeah, good uh, good to be here. It's 20 degrees where we are. So, yeah. uh, it's Until nice tomorrow. Until tomorrow when <laughs> right. it's 60 yeah. and we're all dying so of migraines but that's fine. exactly yeah. Yeah. welcome we'll, to buffalo we'll talk about yeah we'll talk about the mirage of baseball season well uh, i, I kind of i preluded this whole conversation with um i, I can't I, mean, I can't remember an off season where these these sized named players are available on trades and they're available i mean this isn't circumstance uh you know there is a price for francisco lindor there is a price for mookie betts you know there is a price for noah Syndergaard. i believe um do you remember anything like this? I think we, you know, we all like to pump it up at the deadline and, and throw names around, but these are teams and, and agents basically saying, you know, these guys are on the blocks. Just make us an offer. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, going, going through this list, I thought the exact same thing. It's funny you bring that up because there's just so many high end names or, or players that, you know, even a year or two ago, you would have never thought would, would, uh, you know, be accessible in a trade. So, um, yeah, it's pretty crazy. And it almost gives me a feeling that, um, a lot of, a lot of moves will or won't be made based off of what other moves are made, um, you know, in tandem with those, because it just, it just feels like there's, you know, not going to be enough teams with, you know, prospect packages or whatever you want to call it that, that are going to be able to acquire all of these high-end guys, if you know what I'm trying to yeah, say. Yeah, so. I, I think that's right. I do think a couple of these names could be melded together in blockbuster trades, though. I think that's probably a discussion point to have here. Let's start with the pitching pitching staff. Uh, they, there are We are not short of available pitchers, which is kind of crazy because everybody needs pitching. Um, but I think there are some teams who either know who they are, who can stand to lose one, or just simply don't want to pay. Uh, we're, we're seeing more and more of that, even with the big boys, certainly in Boston. Um, you know, the youth movement is here. It's real. It's, uh, it's going to be a problem for veterans. We'll see what happens with that. But there are a couple of teams for sure that are going to move some major pitchers. Let's start with David Price. Um, there's a plenty of Boston Red Sox players on this candidate list. I haven't heard much about David Price, and I understand it because his contract is terrible. But uh, where are your thoughts on David Price landing somewhere else? What does it take? Is it going to have to be a combination trade? What do you think? Yeah, I definitely think it will be a larger trade. Um, it's to me, he he 
doesn't get moved right now, but I could definitely see a team revisiting that maybe during the year or mm-hmm. closer to the trade deadline once they sort of reassess and see what they need. But um, he's still got three years, 96 left on on that deal. So this would primarily be a salary dump. Um, everything I've read had said that it, it, the, the Red Sox would likely need to include, you know, a higher end prospect or um, I've, I've heard, even heard price included in um, like a, a larger Benintendi or Mookie Betts trade, um, you know, as like a, as a salary dump sort of piece. So um, it's, it's probably going to look like that or, uh, you know, a deal for another bad contract with a different team that just wants to, you know, get a different view of things. So um, I, I don't see him just being traded one for one, um, but. Do we, do we like David Price? Um, I tell, think, tell me how to feel about David Price. <laughs> yes. So at his current salary, I don't, I don't think he's real desirable, but yeah, take that away from it. Just, just sure, put him, I, just put him in a rotation. He, I'd be fine with him in my rotation, quite honestly. Now, if he's your number one, it's that's scary, but, um, I guess I'm I thinking of think, a team like San Diego, Dan. Yeah. I like that. I like that a lot. Somebody who, so let's just, I, I, not that I've read this anywhere, but I, it sounds like they're looking to maybe get rid of Will Myers. So mm-hmm. let's say they're, let's just hypothetically say that's a trade option there. I, I think that's, I think that would be an upgrade for them where, you know, a team like San Diego has a lot of MLB ready talent that they want to get in the lineup. They really need an anchor pitcher type um, for that rotation. So I, I think that would be a nice match there. Yeah. Hmm. I think you're right. I don't think it's now. I think this is a late June discussion with David Price when that salary is 16 million remaining. And then there's a, a discussion about how to handle the rest of the money going forward. I, I still think Boston's paying a big chunk of this money, even if he, yeah. if, even if they trade him. Yeah. I've, I've heard te- I, I, the things I've read seem to signal that teams want him in that $20 million range. So the, the, the Red Sox would probably need to eat 10 plus mil a year on that deal. I think to, to get it done. So I think, I think they still do it. If the plan is to reduce payroll, I mean, that is still, it's still reducing payroll to do it. Um, Totally. And on the other side of that, a team, a team, if you get a a proven start, you know, let's call him a number two starter for $20 million, it's, it's pretty much market price. So I I think there's some, some meat on the bone there for, uh, for another team, as long as that, you know, that prohibitive contract is, is lessened a little bit. Robbie Ray, uh, to me, this is one of the most interesting names on the, on the candidate list for two reasons. I think he's solid. I think he had a bit of a down year last year. So he's, I understand why his name is being thrown around a little bit, but I think everybody knows his ceiling. Uh, he's in the last year of arbitration, but it's only going to be about $11 million, which for a starting pitcher of his caliber is great. Um, I understand that Arizona probably doesn't want to pay him long-term. So that's why his name is being floated out there. The problem is they've made two or three signings this offseason that make me think they're in they're that they're pushing. Uh, so do you, you don't lose Robbie Ray if you're in, right? That's a great, it's a great question. And I, this was one of the more interesting names on the list as well. I marked him as a deadline name. Um, a lot of people that I read have been reading think that he will be moved prior to the year, but, really? but that is sort of, Still. yeah, that's, yeah, but that's sort of counterproductive to the point you just made. Now I will know they, they, they obviously signed Baumgartner. So he he's, you're going to be your ACE and they have a number of other 
less desirable, but still very solid options in that rotation. Like Mike Leake, Luke Weaver, Zach Gallen was pretty solid last Super year. Good. Merrill Kelly. Yeah. So they have a bunch of these guys that, you know, might not be front end rotation kind of guys, but they, they definitely can be inning eater. So if the, the Diamondbacks see an opportunity to move Ray to a team, um, you know, who can, who can offer them something that will really improve that roster a little bit. I think they need to at least examine it, but otherwise I, I do see them going personally. I see them going into the year um, with him in their rotation. And if for some reason, you know, they're not in a wild card race, <clears throat> you know, later in the season by the trade deadline, he, he's going to be coveted unless, you know, he gets injured or something or, or just has a downright terrible year. But I agree. Lefties are always in demand, especially pitching at the deadline. You know, I don't think they need to jump the gun and move him right now unless they were trying to force some of those other arms in their rotation. So he's a rental. He's a rental. Now he'll be a rental in July. How much value decreases versus trading him today versus July 31st? Um, great question. Um, I, I don't, I guess I don't have a good handle on it right now, but I think you're right. I think a lefty starting pitcher has value no matter what time of day it is. Right. And whether it's a half a season, you know, uh, whether it's right. Cause at that point he's going to cost 5 million for the rest of the way. I mean, incredible exactly. value. Exactly. Yep. So, so I, still a top prospect at that point, don't you think? Um, or, or a, a nice package of, you know, several Bees. lower prospects. Sure. But yeah. I, I I think, I think, you know, side note, I think the, the Diamondbacks have a really, really interesting roster there between the staff, <clears throat> between some of the bullpen arms they have and, and just their, their lineup is really interesting to me. So I would like to see them go into the year with Robbie Ray in that rotation. But um, I, I think there will be a number of suitors if they, if they, you know, need to deal him at the deadline or something like that. Yeah. So. If I had to guess they are, He's on the block to get blown away. Blow us away with an offer we can't refuse. Otherwise, we'll talk in July, right? To me, that's, that's where that's where Arizona stands on this. All right, Matthew absolutely. Matthew Boyd, maybe not as much of a household name. Uh, am I wrong? Did he have a down year in 2019? I mean, everybody in Detroit had a down year, right? Yeah, yeah. Actually, shockingly, Mike he he had a he's had a pretty mediocre career up until last year now okay, okay. His, his over his overall numbers weren't great but he took well. major steps he took major steps forward with strikeouts swinging you know generating swinging strikes and his main bugaboo was walks his whole career hmm. and that and his walk rate fell so um he is not sexy and he is you know he's not a power pitcher i think he's he averages low 90s on his fastball so he he's not an overly sexy piece but he he's a lefty he is on a team that is seemingly going nowhere he's 29 years old sort yes. of a late bloom yes. you know sort of a late bloomer so the, the the tigers should most definitely deal him and leading up to the deadline last year there his name was you know in rumors seemingly every day so i think it's only a matter of time before they deal boyd um i mean he does have three years of arbitration yes. of arbitration left so i don't he checks he checks all the boxes for me he's on a team that can't win he's got three years of control left he's he's 29 so there's only one big contract in his, in his future. Do you know what I mean? He's not, it, it's going to be three s- solid years of arbitration and maybe a, a three to four year contract after that, which who, who cares at that point? 
Right. To me, this screams San Diego. Screams San Diego. This is the perfect player to put with these young kids. He's not going to cost you a lot. He's going to be controlled. And if he is, if if he does cost you a lot in arbitration, it's because he's pitching the lights out, right? And the arbitration totally. numbers have to soar because of it. Uh, and and San Diego's got some got some some position players to move. One one being the catcher position, as you know very well. I, yep. I think. I think Detroit can replenish their prospect pool a little bit here, maybe with a couple of MLB ready players who can go with, you know, Miggy Cabrera's $900 million remaining. Um, This is, this has to happen. This should have already happened in my opinion. Matthew Boyd should be heavily being, being courted for these teams that are trying to build up, especially a team like San Diego who just paid the farm for Machado and don't have the pitching to go with it right now. So uh, I just think that's the perfect, I, I put this way ahead of David Price uh, I think this is a perfect match made in heaven. And one of these teams, I, I'd put the angels in this conversation too. If you've got, you know, I, I don't think the angels and the, and the tigers are a good fit from a trade perspective, but the angels need this kind of player as well. Somewhat cost controlled, but it's going to go out there and throw the lights out for you. Yeah. Um, I, I totally agree with everything there. Um, he's not going to make the that, Yankees better. You know what I mean? He's not no, going to go absolutely. to a contender right now and make them that much better. But for a team that is looking to jump up into contention category, he's the right guy. Well, and, and, to, and to parlay that point, it's it's not going to cost a team that much no, either. God, so, no. um, you know, if a team wants to take a stab at him like the Padres, like it's not like they're going to have to cough up their best prospect by it or they shouldn't in theory. So two I mean, B's, two B's. Yeah, exactly. So it, I will note, though, we're sitting here making reason after reason for why they should deal him. But the Tigers are the same team that had Mike, you know, a coveted Michael <laughs> Fulmer, not a year ago. And they, and they sat on him in a non-contending window. And now, you know, he has almost no trade value after, you know, a Tommy John season. So I, seemingly they should deal him. Their track record shows that, you know, they might not, but yeah, I think, I think he's one of the, he's a super interesting name on this list because I mean, we'll get to some of the other names here, but in terms of what he will cost you, it's not very much compared to these other guys. So one more pit, one more, and then we'll move on to a couple of uh, combo packs. Josh Hader. Uh, I know you're down on him. The numbers are down for Josh Hader. Is it over? (laughs) Is it just the honeymoon's over? Uh, Any other year, uh, a relief pitcher on the block like this gets snatched up. Why not him? Yeah, I think. First of all, I think the 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 ask has got to be right. Is it pretty? Is it really that high. Milwaukee just isn't really trying to trade him hard? Is that what's happening? Good, good question. Because Milwaukee think- is built. <laughs> I mean, that is a that is a team built. They're ready to go. They just got to make a couple of balls have to bounce the right way for them. I think. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't disagree. They did lose a considerable amount of free agents. So see though, primarily with Grandall and Moustakis, mm-hmm. I know exactly what you mean. You have a, you have a piece in, in Yelich and, and a number of other young, you know, promising guys there, but, but really they are sort of, I could see them being at a crossroads where they, they want to rebuild on the fly or hang on to Josh Hader. And I think dealing Josh Hader would, would, jumpstart that you know in accelerated rebuild why you have Yelich there but but I agree with you they, they I mean they've contended you know with the wild card in the division the last few years so um I, I don't really have a good handle on this my gut tells me he gets dealt but 
I can find a million reasons to say why he doesn't get dealt. Um, I, I do really like him as a player. I, I think there are some major concerns there in terms of, you know, giving up a lot of prospects or, ca- you know, sure. investing a ton of money towards a, towards a relief pit, a, a, I'll be a dominant relief pitcher, but you know, guys got a kind of a wacky delivery. There might be some long-term injury concerns there. He's 25 years old. I shouldn't really get into that this early in his career, but um, yeah, I, I don't, I had this marked as a deadline deal because I, I think a team that, you know, the, a team like the 2016 Indians who, who give up a huge package for Andrew Miller. I, and then that like essentially takes them to the world series. I think that is, you know, right for the picking this trade deadline where a team, maybe it's the Yankees, Mm-hmm. thinks they need one more arm in the bullpen and that's the guy they they cough up you know big pieces to get but yeah i, yeah, think, I, uh, I don't know what do I you think i think it's the phillies I, I think it's the phillies that end up with with josh hader eventually uh to put them over the edge especially with all the work that the nationals have done now to reinforce this bullpen and to go sort of rebuild this roster uh after losing the superstar in, in rendon uh to me that's the team i agree it's deadline uh, there's no reason to do it now He's got four years of control left. This exactly. is arb one for Josh Hader. Right. Uh, but is he, is he not? I mean, he's projected what this year at four mil, I believe. So a I little, mean, that's going to be more than four. So yeah, the, yes. those numbers are going to creep up for sure. Yeah. It's going to get real expensive. And for a team like Milwaukee, I could see them not, you know, to my point earlier, I could see them not wanting to invest a ton, a ton of, you know, although it's arbitration money and not term, I could see them not wanting to invest a ton of money in him when they could deal him for a big time package, but we'll see, I guess. Yep. I like it. All right. Let's do a little rapid fire. Kind of keep things moving a little bit here. Cause I think these bigger names are really just gigantic question marks and they're kind of team-based. Let's start with this one. Colorado has Nolan Arenado. There's Charlie Blackman. There's actually John Gray. And I guess you can throw Trevor story into this conversation too. Uh, any, all, none? What do you think? This is definitely a, uh, maybe a tandem situation where, where moves are made, you know, directly reflecting other moves that are made. But, um, I, I don't, I don't want to punch on this, but I really don't know. It feels, it feels like Charlie Blackman is the easiest way to shed salary, but he's 34 years old. What, what is, what is the package there look like? Right. And then at that point, why are you trading him other than to get rid of salary? Right. Mm-hmm. Any of these Aaron, guys, really? Yeah, really. I mean, Arenado, it's kind of crazy to me that he's legitimately on the block after they, you know, signed him to that massive deal a couple of years ago, but um, well, last year, last year, that's what I, yeah. He has $234 million left. It, it would be the, it would be the highest contract traded in the history of baseball. Wow. With remaining money left to ask the question. He has opt out after 21, I believe. Does that carry over if he's traded? Oh yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. It's so his that, contract. I mean, so it could be a two, a th- three year rental. It, two, excuse exactly. me, a two year rental. That seems like it would massively change the value, uh, you know, at uh, any return. I'll agree value. with you, Dan, but John Carlos Stanton was traded. With the exact same scenario. Yeah, good point. <laughs> and I and I liked Arenado a heck of a lot better than I like Stan. So to me, it's not, nothing's off the table. I, you you alienate a fan base by trading Nolan Arenado. You you will tank your fan base this year if you trade that player after 
doing everything you can to secure him as the long-term superstar in Colorado. I, I can't imagine it happens. I just can't imagine this year that it happens. Now, listen, this team comes back together and goes to the bottom of the division. Everybody's going to be on board with, with moving pieces at that point, but I don't think they're, they're not there yet. John Gray might be great. Uh, He, we, maybe we're talking about him in July as a deadline, a deadline move as a starting pitcher. Uh, I agree with you. Blackman has little to no value right now, even though I, I like him as a, uh, not yet washed up five tool player and, and Arenado just seems too franchisey for me. <laughs> that's if that's a word I can use franchisey. Uh, let's flip gears. Boston, right? Boston says they're, 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 I, I got to throw a wrench into this conversation. Boston says they're shedding payroll. Boston probably also knew <laughs> that this cheating scandal was about to come out. Is there any, <laughs> is there uh, there's no doubt about that, right? There's no doubt about this. I will read into it less than you, but I do agree. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Cheaters know they're cheating, man. And yeah, the second right. that Houston story came out, everybody in Boston started to change the locks. Let's be fair here. Oh, yeah. Alex um, Cora was involved in that and everything. immediately. So, yeah. He's the black box in all of this. All right. Yeah. My, my point is there was some reaction to that, right? You know, you know that train is coming down the tracks, uh, and there's going to be some repric- – you know, there's going to be – it's something's coming, whether it's draft picks, whether it's fine, whether it's your manager can't manage, whether it's your G, I, I don't know what's going to happen, but something's going to happen. But I certainly understand that means everybody's on the trade block now and everybody's on the trade block. David Price, we've talked about Ben Intendi, who hasn't even been paid yet and has been a little bit up, up and down, but it certainly has a ceiling. Jackie Bradley Jr. should have been, should have been gone last year. Mookie Betts. Oh, I, <laughs> I, 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 we don't even need to talk about it. It's just known common lo- logic at this point. And then there's Mookie Betts who, I don't know, you pay him. But if you're a, an organization that's about to hit you know, a brick wall with the, with whatever's coming for this cheating scandal and it's coming, I mean, no, no, it, these stories do sound made up because they're crazy, but these stories are not made up. There are lights in the mound. Okay. <laughs> these stories are nuts, uh, but there's going to be, there's going to be blowback from them. So my guess is Mookie Betts, is not a member of the Red Sox in 2021. Wow. I don't know how that happens. I think he plays for them this year. I, I don't think you can look at the Dodgers are still going to come calling, but I think that entire organization is in pause right now. If I had to guess because of what's happening. I mean, this story just broke what two or three days ago now with the athletic. Um, so there's more to come from that. I don't know that anybody entertains the idea. Now, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the Dodgers look at this and say, all right, they're definitely going to be selling parts now because, you know, they're not going to have any kind of organizational structure over the next two years with whatever's coming. Betts is going to go somewhere. It's to me, that's just going to happen. The Yankees are going to be the king. I think the Yankees and and Tampa probably own this division right now. Don't you? And, And Boston feels it. Boston feels it. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. I mean, Toronto, I really like what Toronto has done this offseason. And there's but, a move um, for them to make, too, I think. Yeah, but they're still a couple of years away from really being, sure. you know, contenders. And the, the Orioles are nowhere. So I totally <laughs> agree with you. The Yankees and the Rays are the class of the division right now. And I think, you know, the Red Sox are are kind of trying In to the find middle. their way back. And they know that. And all yeah. of these things put together means Mookie doesn't stay. So. I'm going to say he stays in 2020 the whole way through, not even a deadline deal. I'm going to say he stays the whole way through. And then next, and then next year we're talking about Mookie Betts somewhere else. That's all I'm saying. Interesting. Uh, yep. Yep. Um, let's go to Cleveland. You're tried and true. 
Yeah. I, I mean, they've done I, some uh, damage with Kluber. Uh, you know, they've made some small little signings. I don't think, you know, there's much really to talk about from an internal standpoint in Cleveland. The big noise has been, does Frankie Lindor go? Does Mike Clevenger go? Are they going together? And what would be a gigantic blockbuster deal? Uh, again, it's, it's, the, it's the Dodgers who appear to be involved. I think there's other teams. Uh, I know the Angels have come calling, and the Angels have a, an outfield prospect that Cleveland would love. What do you think? Where are we here? So I currently, I think neither of them get traded. Okay. If Lindor goes, uh, (laughs) Lindor, Lindor, I think starts the year as their shortstop. I think they see how this year plays out with the moves they've made and he's a potential deadline guy. It, it just seems unrealistic to me that the Indians, unless they're a legitimate contender this year, it, it's hard for me to conceive that they will go into this off to next off season with him, you know, with him on their team. I, I just think the value decreases a ton um, in terms of the return that they could get. Um, and and in all signs point to them, obviously not re-signing him in the Indian. I mean, their track record, I know it's a different regime, but you know, Antonetti and all the, you know, they were all here when Shapiro was there. This, this, this organization has no problem moving on from stud cornerstone players rather than leave, letting them leave for nothing. Victor Martinez, Sabathia, Cliff Lee, um, you know, Trevor Bauer last year, even he, the, the Indians will make tough decisions, and I think the toughest decision will be Lindor, but I think ultimately they move on from him before he goes into the final year of his contract. Now, I do still think he is the starting shortstop unless they get absolutely blown away in a trade offer. But um, So I will say, similar to your Mookie Betts prediction, that Lindor stays through this year and next year is the critical year or at the deadline if they're out of it. Um, Here's but, the other thing. Nobody really needs a shortstop right now. That's the thing. Shorts. There's tons of shortstops now. I mean, everyone would love a Frankie Lindor, a cornerstone piece to build your franchise around. But yeah, in terms of immediate needs, I, there's not a ton of teams that you you sit here and say they absolutely need a shortstop. Um, I'm clicking through so that, right now, and I'm hard pressed to find a team that could really, because c- it's not just Frankie Lindor. It's Frankie Lindor and 300 million dollars. So exactly. So exactly. I mean, that's the that's the package you're getting here. I. I I'm struggling with it. Uh, I'm because str- uh, Oakland's never going to do it. Even though Marcus Simeon's on an expiring, they're never going to do that with Frankie Lindor. Uh, maybe the Giants. Maybe the Giants. Uh, Brandon Crawford's days are are numbered. Even though he's got money left, I, I guess that's a, that's a potential landing spot. And they're certainly a team that likes to get vets in. Uh, I'm hard pressed to say it could be the Mets. <laughs> uh, it, it could be the Mets. It, it, totally. could be, it could be the Mets because the Mets have two shortstop prospects in house that Cleveland would eat up. They would love them. Uh, so I'm going to put the Mets on the short list, even though they don't pay, but maybe they're, maybe they're changing their tune. Um, yeah. To me, it's right now. There's just not a fit. And if you're talking the Dodgers, Corey Seager's on the exact same contract structure as Frankie Lindor. Now Corey Seager's not going to cost nearly what Frankie Lindor costs. So you, I, I could understand right. and, that. Dynamic. And they kicked him to third too. So, right. Cause Justin Turner's on an expiring, uh, makes a ton of sense there as well. I, 
I, I guess it's, it's Dodgers, Giants, Mets, and I can't find anyone else at, at this point. So to me, that's not enough to do things right now. It's just not. I, uh, right. I think we're having this conversation next, next February, and it's going to be a real conversation at that point because he'll be on an expiring. So I, I, I don't know that we're going to have the splashes that, that these names lead themselves to. Uh, all right, you're looking at this list like I am. Let's finish on this. What's the biggest name to go in the next eight weeks? <laughs> um, Is it Price? Do they find a way? I will say I'll say Arenado, and I don't know why. Oh, my God. <laughs> that was the last name I thought you'd say. Uh, I'm going to say the, it's not it's not the sexy name. I'm going to say it's Matthew Boyd. I think Matt Boyd goes. I think Detroit does yeah. the right thing and gets him out of here. So I think none of these major names go right now. Um, deadline. We'll have another discussion, of course, because I think a lot of these names will be back on this list, but I think there's a lot of talk and not much push at least before the season starts here. I think a lot's been done in free agency and a lot of teams are going to stop right there, but this has been awesome. The, uh, just to have the ability to talk about these players moving because it's been rare in baseball. Whereas, you know, sports like the NBA, it's like, it's an annual discussion about where the superstars are going to end up. So I, I like that. You know, it's, it's a tribute to how the youth movement has, has come into play. You know, I mean, teams have teams know that there's a shortstop in the system that's going to cost them a million dollars for the next three years. And if that's what, you know, what they can put out there on an everyday basis, then, you know, you're going to get these veteran superstars on the move. It's good for the game. It really is. Now it's not good if the Dodgers get everybody, but um, I think it's good for the game. So it's, it's cool to at least have these discussions. I'm not sure how much is actually going to come to fruition, we will see, and I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about it a lot more. Dan, thanks for joining us today. Awesome. Thanks for having me. All right. That's it for today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast brought to you by The Athletic. And please keep with The Athletic like we'll be doing in the next few weeks to, just, to keep on this Boston Red Sox situation. If you haven't read the article, I'll tweet it out again today. It's crazy. There's, like I said, there's lights in the mound. There's vi- people in the video room. There are things happening in the matter of four to five seconds that you could not imagine are happening, but somehow it helped them win a World Series in 2018 in a similar fashion to how the Houston Astros did their, their business in 2017. Uh, scandal of Bob. They're everywhere. Scandals are everywhere in baseball right now. <laughs> okay. All right. Keep up on that. Thanks to The Athletic. Visit theathletic.com slash spottrek40 off for 40% off your subscription. We'll be back on Tuesday with 